Hey, what's good, y'all? Thanks so much for popping out to our first episode of Speaking Our Language. We appreciate all the love that y'all shared on Instagram, sharing, reposting, commenting, like, for real, for real. Like, we appreciate it. That was Austin. Oh, yeah, that part. <laughs> and I'm Ashley, and welcome. We are so happy to have you guys all listening, and we are just so blessed and grateful for all the support and love you guys have been giving us, and hopefully you will continue to give us. This has been a, a long journey, a long time coming. It all started, I'd say, well, we first met on New Year's, and then a few weeks later, I had a game night, and needless to say, we were- Popping bottles. <laughs> okay, what else I'm said? just kidding. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Don't worry about what's in our club. Don't worry about, don't worry about what's in our club. Just know that we was feeling good, and we had a two-on-two, and we had to chop it up real quick. You know, we were just living our best lives, and- there came a time and I was just like, let me talk to you for a second, Elson. I was like, I've been thinking about this for a while now, and I think you would be an amazing co-host. And I felt friends. honored. I was like, wait, what? Me? Of all people in the world, me? But um, nah, I was really appreciative. But then after that, oh my gosh, no, he was like, <laughs> yes, I was. Thinking I felt the, the same energy. Thing. I really did. <laughs> Only thing was, I was in this period of my life, like, oh yeah, all these like you know, projects for me are starting. And then I was like, oh, but I do have to go to LA in like two days for like three months. Ended up being out there for like yeah, five was, months since due to like COVID, but and then she'll tell you that I missed. Yeah, well, kind of, kind of COVID, but then also Elston missing four flights. Like literally, he'll be like, "Ash, I'm going back on Wednesday." Wow, and so, then, so this um, is what we're doing. I'll pick up the po- I'll pick up the podcast stuff on wow. Friday, um, and then Wednesday, mind you, it's like. Thursday like he doesn't even we don't even talk Wednesday I'll be like have a safe flight he won't respond until Thursday and be like so um wow that, that this is wild this is crazy <laughs> this is just my business out there I guess it's the podcast right you know it is a podcast look they gonna know all my stuff too so we might as well oh, we. give him a little sneak all right all right so y'all heard about how the podcast started let's just you know when me and Ash start off we usually just hit each other up do a little check-in so Ash how you feeling like what's good with you? What's going on in your world? You know, I'm doing pretty good. Like I had a little pre-birthday getaway. Hey, turn up, turn up. Father's Day. One time for the. <laughs> Two time for. The- <laughs> all right, <laughs> you gotta right, focus. Right. Um, my birthday's on Sunday, so I'm really excited about that. I'll be turning 23. Um, but yeah, so I really was just trying to get in my like focus, peace, happy place with my best friend. Turned out really good, and you know, lately I've been you know, dedicating a lot of my time to working with a group of people, friends and like acquaintances to really kind of inflict change and do a lot of stuff within our community here um, in correlation to defunding the police and like police brutality and Black Lives Matter. So definitely feeling good, feeling happy. How are you, Elson? How is everything happening in your world? What's new? What can the people know? Uh, I've been chilling. I've been all right. The week's been pretty eventful. I was breaking generational cycles with the fam, so I had insightful convos with my brother, sister, mom, and dad. Also, we had, you know, I had a good Father's Day with him. And then, recently, I've been trying to reconnect with God. I felt like a little distance between us, having been really on top of my stuff like I should be. So, I went on a little walk to Prospect Park, because I'm in Brooklyn, and then tried to do some meditation, reflected, journaled, and had some little, you know, me and God time. And then on a walk back home, I added to my collection of pictures 
since I came back, I've really been inspired by the street art and the artistic demonstrations of Black Lives Matter. So I have like a small little collection going on that I hope to publish on my stories, just for my walks around the neighborhood. Well, I'm so excited to see all of that. I am so excited to also jump into this topic, which is going to be one for the books and a great way to start this podcast. Me and Nelson have been really thinking about this and thinking about what would resonate with you guys and also us. And that's where we came up with... Navigating Our Blackness. Woo! Yes, Navigating Our Blackness. We chose this topic because we wanted something that was a reflection of what's happening in the world and what's happening to us young black people. Originally, we thought it was going to be navigating this new normal, but then we decided like there's nothing new about <laughs> police brutality in black communities and all that we've been seeing. Like It's just been br- brought to the forefront, but you know that's how it's always been. Yeah, we felt as though this was the time to focus on us and our experiences and the experiences of being black in this world that we live in. I think the best way to kick it off is to acknowledge what we love so much about being black. So Elston, what is one thing that you love about your own blackness? Dang, just one thing. I really love how creative and brilliant we are. It don't gotta be just one thing. (laughs) I love how creative and brilliant we are how innovative and inventive like we have the power to create worlds inside of us we start with nothing and come up with something marvelous so i feel like that's where I, that's where I'm, I'm in love with that about us like just that spirit of ingenuity i guess i like the fact that i can find ways to express myself whether it's like I'm going to do my writing. I'm going to do a spoken word. I'm going to sing, dance. I'm going to do something. We're always going to find a way to express ourselves. We're always going to find a way to turn something into art. That's why I I like the fact that we can turn anything into art. The simplest of things. Our everyday is art. Mm, Our everyday is art. Love that. (laughs) I would say, yeah, I can't pick just one thing, but I think like Elson was kind of saying, like our ability to create, we have so much power. Anything that we need, anything that we're lacking, anything that we want, we make it happen. And for my own self, I think I find the most beautiful thing about our, my blackness is the essence and presence and confidence that just comes along with being a black woman and being able to create my own narrative and say that my melanin is beautiful to reclaim the texture of my hair and to not feel ashamed anymore of the qualities that make me beautiful and make me me so really being able to control my narrative and tell people that my blackness is beautiful is strong and will change the world like having that power and walking in that I think is the best thing and no I really think that's a dope question because outside of just loving your blackness I'm always intrigued to know How'd you come to that stage? Like, how'd you come to that destination to love your blackness? Or it's an ongoing journey to kind of embrace that and love that. So for you, Ash, especially as a black woman, how did you come to that point? Did you always love it? Or like, what was the process? No, and I feel like that's a great follow-up is because I feel like I'm still learning. I think I've definitely come a long way since I was a little girl. I will never forget me and my best friend went swimming at her house and... We both like got our hair wet and I was like, 
looking at her hair, I was like, oh my gosh, both of her hairs are like flowing in the water. Like, it's just like, you know, like just looks so nice and everything. And then I like got out and my hair was an afro and I was like, what is this? Like, this is not what I wanted. Like my hair should be flowing like her hair. And I was so upset and had such a negative connotation to what was a part of my blackness. And it took me all the way until college I'd say like sophomore year when I cut off all my heat damage and like had a little afro and I was still uncomfortable, but I was learning to love what was a part of me and I could never get rid of. So that was just one instance, you know, even being called Oreo because I talked or like whitewashed because I talked a certain way and it wasn't quote unquote black, but it was like, it also made me question like what does it mean to be black you know like am I not black enough I grappled with these different situations that made me one acknowledge the fact that I was black but then two not understand the capacity of loving my blackness in full because I thought I was being criticized for different things so it was a long process but I think once I got to college and I started surround my, surrounding myself with people that taught me and helped me really learn and love my blackness it made it easier when I was going into predominantly white spaces to wear my hair natural to job interviews even though people told me not to and me still get the job and people may ask questions like oh you your hair is you know shorter or longer than before yes you know I can have a million different hairstyles and it's fine (laughs) but at the same time I had to be okay with it and say you're either going to take me as I am or you're not. Period. So it's been a process and I'm still learning for sure. <laughs> but nah, I think <laughs> in terms of like from my standpoint, and you know, I think the experience is different for black men as it is black women. And honestly, I just thought about this. Uh, you know, women have always been, black women have, you know, been this natural hair game for a minute. But I was even thinking about the ways we learn like when we're younger, like black men, men like waves is a thing. And, you know, hair texture with waves is very much a thing that I think we also have to unpack now looking back, whether it was, like, oh, you got to get a texturizer or this person had a texturizer. And it's like, oh, actually, your, your wave is fake. And, you know, some people using this and using that product and how like that whole situation happens. Like that definitely, I think, is a thing that. Of course, we, we moved out of that, but that was a thing at that time. And we have to unpack those ideals around that. For me, I grew up in Brooklyn um, around I went to a black church, all black elementary school, had black teachers from nursery to eighth grade. So it was always interesting when I'm on Twitter and people are like, oh, when did you get your first black teacher? And people are like, oh, I have my first black teacher in fifth grade. It's like, oh, well, I have black teachers all my life. It wasn't until I went away to boarding school, I went to a predominantly white boarding school in New Hampshire, that I think that changed because I was starting to see, like, my blackness was always just what it was. Like, it wasn't until I went away that I started to see blackness in relation to whiteness. So people started to talk about the way I spoke, how I dressed, those kind of things. And like become, you become hyper aware of your blackness when it's like before it just was. So I think that was something interesting. And, you know, it's hard when it's like the focal point of every day. But I think towards my senior year in high school, it was just like, yo, you said either you love it or you don't. And what's up if you don't? <laughs> nah. Yeah. But you really just start to understand that. I think that was around the time that... I was looking at some of my white friends like, yo, we're living in two completely different worlds. Like, I'm on Facebook, blacking my Facebook out and, and sharing Trevor Martin, and you, like, 
having the funnest, the, the best time on Vine. You know, it's like we're living in two completely different worlds. And I think our experiences. Yeah, I think that so relates to now, too, because I'm like when we were teenagers, we were looking at Trayvon Martin and Tamir Rice. We were hearing these stories. My heart goes out to the generation who they're growing up and now they're seeing George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and nowadays there's no way to escape it like i feel like back then like our type of social media wasn't consumed you would hear about these stories for periods of time but like the fact that this is literally their every day like you they become hyper aware of their blackness even faster than we did we could see it but then we could also go right back into you know school or like friends and not yeah, and no, I agree. Know? I agree. I feel like this is a conversation that's happening on a global scale. Like, I feel when we were talking about Trayvon and we were talking about all these incidents, Mike Brown is like, yo, people just, the world, I say, was not involved in this conversation, really. It was just yeah. a conversation that was happening among in the black community. Now that, you know, people are deeming George Floyd as like a wake-up call, they had to see it in, in, in this, like, they had to see it on camera so very clear that like, yo this is what we're talking about we've been talking about it but now you see so i think it's what i so i get a little annoyed because they're like oh my gosh i now i have to really learn how to be anti-racist and it's like that was always a job that was always a job but i'm glad yeah. that we are just now finding now the calling to do it the motivation like that's great but that has always that the, the need has always been there so i'm not gonna it's not like shout out to everyone that's doing the work but understand the work has needed to be done and like this is a long overdue thing and i went to to your point about the social media too i think it is sometimes overbearing but one of the things i do like is that there's so much education being made and i think um, beyond just having more conversation i think the language now is helping us to have clearer conversations so we're actually we're able to name things and to say oh this is that and it's allowing us to really have conversations i i think are steeped in in knowledge and are more fruitful yeah, yeah, and you have and language to understand your own experience. Like, yeah, because, I mean, back then, like, again, we knew that there was something wrong with, or we were aware of our blackness, but didn't know how to articulate when situations would arise Facts. Um, and classify them as, like, that was blatant racism, or that was subtle racism, or you were right, racially like, profiling That's a microaggression or, you know, of this, like, or, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. You know, like, there's so many different terminologies that we didn't know, so we were just like, categorizing it all as one thing and that's why i think now we are learning a lot more terminology that brings more clarity which is nice but then at the same and also i feel like kids like i feel like i didn't understand like how you said that you grew up in a predominantly black you know upbringing and like neighborhood and all these different things and then you you knew your blackness then and then you went to college and it was challenged or it was like you were forced to look at it through a different lens i feel like now with social media kids are identifying their blackness and what it means to be black and loving their blackness even little girls at such a younger age which i feel like is useful because i wish that wasn't as like praised or talked about as much when we were growing up or at least from my experience so i feel like now people we're walking in our blackness way faster which is like a pro from like all the education and conversations that are happening aside from all the tragedies that are also happening if that makes sense. <laughs> well, first, it was one thing. Like, let's not forget too. They're watching George Floyd, George Floyd happen live, but then we've already been dealing with COVID nineteen. Like, they've been dealing with so many things that has drawn their attention. 
and has kept their attention on these instances. You get what I'm saying? Like, when we had those things, it was like, all right, we focused on it, but then it was never like life stopped. Like, we're in a moment where life as we know it has stopped. So I think that's when I was like, I seen that, and I hit up, I hit up, yeah, I hit up like the divine timing of events. I hit up Ash. Um, I hit up my profiles. I hit up different people, <laughs> just like different friends. Like, yo, are you ready for the revolution? Like, <laughs> it's happening. Yeah. Let me give you guys a little backstory. So, Elston, if you know him, then you know that he does not sleep, and he sleeps at odd hours of the day. So, it's become a norm that I receive random intellectual questions at three, four, eight in the morning. This time with the revolution. It was like 3.43 in the morning. Like, hey, Ash, you ready for this revolution? And not me waking up at 8, like, sir, can I can I get a cup of tea? Can I? Right. Can, we, can it be midday when I've had my brain going? You know, I was just like, um, no, but I mean, I can get ready for the revolution. But Elston, <laughs> I called him later that day, and he gave me some context about what he meant by that. And I want to ask you, coming from your original thought process to everything that's happened now since you asked that question a few days after George Floyd's death, like, is it what you thought it was going to be? Do you think that we're still on that path for a revolution or do you feel like this may die off? Like, what are your, where, where's your head? No, I think people are definitely doing the work. I think for me, how I started it was kind of, honestly, after college, I was, I love reading. After college, I was able to finally read the things that I wanted to read. Like, I, the, I think the first book that really opened my eyes to be, to say, yo, I'm not as critical of a thinker as I thought I was, especially like that graduating from the university does not necessarily guarantee that, was I read Angela Davis's um, Freedom is a Constant Struggle. And that opened my eyes to see how interconnected all these systems are, to just look at the ways in which oppression is begetted amongst other people and how it really requires a global perspective. So there was so many things. So when I seen George Floyd, I was just like, yo, that's crazy. And then I just reflected on, on those teachings and, and the words that Angela Davis taught in the book. And I was just like, yeah, this, this is what it's talking about. Like people are waking up to finally see the, the problem. Like, yo, like if nothing happens from this, then it's, it's like, that's it. That in itself is a problem. If we don't respond to watching killings live in front of us then we have become so desensitized and and, and, and numbed Mm -hmm. that (laughs) they can at this point do whatever and we won't even speak up so i definitely feel like people are definitely more active now i definitely feel that the revolution is well on its way i think it's going to be a sustained effort so in the book and i you know we're we're looking for new segments and stuff like that so if y'all are interested in some of the books i'm reading and you know, the knowledge I'm getting, I'd be more than happy to share. But it's like looking at all the different movements, it didn't come from just two or three days of maximized, activated energy. It really is a sustained effort. It's people who have been dedicating their lives to the movement and to the fight for freedom. In, in, in different ways. In different in ways, different too, yeah. different ways, because everyone, you know, is not supposed to be, you know, on the f- forefront of everything. You know, like, I know... I mean, Nelson have talked about this because when he said, hey, you ready for the revolution? I was like, uh, I'm not, I don't know if I'm ready to die. Like, I didn't, <laughs> No, you, facts. You, I was thinking that too, like, <laughs> yo, I, 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 I'm ready, 
but I don't, I don't, I, I ain't ready to die about it yet. But I mean, you hey. know, but like that goes to like say like that maybe our role may not be you know the same as what Black Panther movement was or like you know being on the front line or like you know going to and or not. Well, not what, what do you what do you what do you think say? that? What do you think your role in the movement is, like, in the revolution? Like, what do you see a role as? You know, I think I'm still discovering what my role is, but I had to get past this concept of, oh, Elson says imposter, imposter, imposter syndrome. Am I saying that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah okay, we were talking about imposter syndrome, and sometimes we, we use that, in, like, in, in college, at university, but it really means that, like, sometimes you feel inferior or you feel that you don't belong in spaces that you actually do. So it's like, yo, we're on this movement. It's going to take everybody. So don't feel that, you know, yeah. insecure about what you don't know, what you don't understand yet. Like, just use it as a space for to, to learn and to figure out those people doing the work. Yeah. So you don't have to go out and start a whole new organization. If you pick up a book and read, if you, you know, grow each day, that's still extremely important. And, and don't let don't allow anyone else to belittle you for what you do or do not understand just yet. So we were having this conversation about imposter syndrome and I was telling him like I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing in regards to all of this you know you know I definitely want to keep reading but I had to like look within myself and even talk to my other friend Dom about it and realize like what my role was and that led to me just having more conversations with you know friends and us looking within our own community outside of the globe and like the global problem or like the the nation's problem and looking at what is happening in our hometown and like what can we do right now and while we were I was attending different protests and you know creating signs I and reading I was like and reposting different things we decided to create our own little organization where we are going to go to city council meetings and do a lot of research on a lot of different things on budgets on policies and protocols and really just have a holistic message that we're trying to convey as to why this money from the police needs to be taken away and being allocated into the community like it's a waste of funds and really trying to articulate that and what really stuck out to me when one of my colleagues were like saying like in the city council meeting the people on the board a lot of our parents like and or older people may not be here in 20 30 years but we will and our kids will and it's like you guys are making you guys are dictating our future and not allowing us to have a say about it yo that's facts that is facts because they really be ready to knock like no no offense they be get them out of here and it's like yo you don't have that much time but you're making decisions that's gonna last for (laughs) beyond your lifetime and my lifetime long time so it's like yo you need not be making like decisions about my life and i have no say in it Exactly. So that was like something that really was like, okay, even though we're young, we have so much power. We are educated. So you can't belittle us or diminish what we're doing. And we've been really making it a part of our main core messaging is like, show up how you can. If you can create graphics, cool. Yeah. Can we normalize that, please? Can like, I know, can we just allow people to show up? As they can, and, of, and then leave space for them to grow as well. Like if you really feel someone exactly. can grow, don't be like criticizing them. Like, hey, yo, you're really good at this. I feel like you could do this, or let me introduce you to this. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's sharing. Why are we in competition for who knows the most? Like, the wokest competition is really like 
That's it's, annoying. It's, That's it's annoying. so annoying because like even in our org, like I wasn't the most knowledgeable about a lot of different things, but we had people who were leading that new. So as they were educating me, I was taking it and going to different orgs that were in different cities and educating them. So it was just all like a chain of events. But that only happens when we're creating spaces where education is okay. While yes, you need to come to conversations with your own set of knowledge, you know, it is also important for having open dialogue and real conversations, you know? So again, show up how you can if reposting is something, is donating is something. Um, but Elston, I've done a lot of talking about what I've been doing. So <laughs> let's just, you know, <laughs> I, I see what, you hear what you've been doing. And I can't lie. I was definitely going through some things too when it first started. Like, yo, I'm, and usually I'm not on social media like that like i'll post every now and again but i'm really there as like a consumer like i see what people are saying and i take it in and it allows me to I, I reflect on like my thoughts about it so yeah when i was when i was seeing all that i was like dang i'm not retweeting i'm not reposting like that it, what does that mean but i was still educating myself trying to read every day i really like to read on my ipad because i get the pdfs and i start marking them up and all that kind of stuff and that'd be dope um but aside from that what I'm doing is I'm starting an organization called Black Boys Lit. Black and Boys Lit! <laughs> <laughs> and it stands for Black Boys Literate. I've been working on this project for two years now. Um, and it really is to wield the revolutionary power of literacy and the act of reading. So one is about how do I engage in education as a practice for freedom with other black men and boys to discuss how do we see the world around us? How do we read the world and make sense of the world around us? Because it's not just about reading on a page. Like We need readings that relate to our everyday life. And it's important to note how we all see and experience the world. That's one, I think, for young black boys, with all, goes, with all that goes on in the world, our ability to imagine is stripped of us. But that's so important because that's part of evolution too. Like Us, the older generation, we're disrupting the way the world is, but... We need to give them the tools to be able to imagine the world so they can build a new world because they have mm. to be able to see a different type of world to be able to then create that world. So I think that goes back to what I, I love about black people, like how innovative and creative we are. Like my, mm -hmm. I think my role in the movement is to educate and create. I think that's kind of what I've looked at it as with this podcast, with my writings and different kind of things. With your poems, you be coming with poems. the fire. <laughs> I appreciate that. Um, so yeah, I think that I think I take just from like what Nina Simone says and James Baldwin says, like the role of the artist in the movement is to reflect the times and to speak about them and to record them and to, to analyze them. So I think that's why sometimes people don't see me. It's like on Instagram and stuff being active. Don't take it as that. I'm really just being very, very critical and reflecting on my own thought patterns mm -hmm. and processes and how I've come to understand these things. And then also trying to really tease out the nuance of all these things. I feel that. I vibe with that. I respect that. Appreciate that. I know that was a lot. My bad. <laughs> but yo, we're about to launch soon. Black Boys Lit about to launch. So, you know. Yes. You guys out. will be the some, first to know. That's some dope things in the works. Like, we're going to do some really dope things with our young black boys and men to really change life outcomes and really improve educational equity. So, be on the lookout for that. But yes, overall, what we're saying is find what works for you. Find your stride. Your race is different than everyone else's races, but always ask yourself, what will I tell my grandkids about this time and what I contributed? So, Facts. Even if you just set a journal down, that's still something. Like, when you have kids, grandkids, if you, whoever 
we can impact somebody. I think sometimes we wouldn't have so much of an impact on everyone, but we have to remember a life is a life. So if you can change one person, that can change so many things because a seed has been planted. So you don't have to change by the millions. Don't get caught up in that. Try to change yourself and you can change those around you. And that is enough mm-hmm. work. And doing, do what you'll be proud of and what makes you feel fulfilled. That may not be going to protest. That may be creating social media posts. It may be you talking to your family about, you know, the situations that are happening. We know that death needs to happen. You guys, you know, but everybody want to talk about their non-black people, friends. Let's talk about the family members that we got to talk to. And check and, you know, have difficult conversations. And a lot of people are having those difficult conversations. But again, whatever you're doing. Make sure you're doing it for you. You know, don't say, oh, I was going to protest, but you weren't really a part of them. You weren't really present in them. Okay. So do. Um, can can, I, got can I touch on that? <laughs> I really want to okay. touch on that. I have some. <laughs> y'all might learn. I'm going to have a little bit of controversial opinions. <laughs> <laughs> so one thing in the book that Angela Davis talks about is this idea of like intersectionality and how we've come to like use it for capitalistic means. Whereas we, in the past, when they spoke about that or ideas and notions about intersectionality, and I want to know that it was coined by Kimberly Crenshaw from UCLA, but when Angela Davis speaks of intersectionality, she's speaking of the ways that oppression has connected over systems. So how the police in Ferguson are also the same police that are in Palestine. And they're leveraging the power. So it's not just like, oh, because we're next to each other. But it's like it's a global system of oppression. That's one. Two, when she talks about that as well, intersectionality should be beyond the person. So I think that sometimes what could be, relating back to Ashley's um, point, what could be the downfall of the revolution is if we become so obsessed with, like, ourselves and self-aggrandizement and just, like, looking and trying to, like, big of ourselves when it's really about community and doing the work. Like something shows about that book is that we talk about the Montgomery bus boycott and civil rights movement and we look at the leaders, but we had to realize it was people on the ground doing the work every day. There were black women who were walking mm-hmm. to and from work every single day that were doing like everyone has a role to play in the movement. Mm-hmm. So it's not just about the leaders doing the work, but it's like everyone has a role to play. And if we get caught up in like, oh, it's just me, me, me taking selfies and doing things for the looks of things, that is when it becomes like, all right, it's going to get, the movement is going to get watered down. Like, we can't be moving like that. No, uh, everything Elson is saying, again, as you can tell, he's very knowledgeable, so. (laughs) (laughs) And no, these are are just my ideas and thoughts. I have so much to still learn. Like, I want to put that out there. I try to never, I just try to share, like, so, like, I think, just start where you are and just make a commitment to grow each day. I feel like that looks different. Growth is nonlinear. Healing doesn't look the same. It looks for different people. So, I think. It's nonlinear either. Try to be in community, but. Try to like actually try to do what works best for you and, and move at your pace. Yeah, we're constantly on a journey to get better at and improve the way in which we grow, communicate, heal. So that seems like a perfect little segue into us discussing how we have currently been maintaining peace in the midst of everything that's happening. But before I even say anything that I do or recommend anything, let me make this clear. I am not a licensed professional. Emphasis on not. Like, we have, (laughs) I don't have no degree in that. 
Like we are not here uh, to tell y'all what to we do. We have degrees, but oh, yeah, we have my degree. degree is in public relations, not correlated to <laughs> psychology or anything like that. So again, what I do is, you know, what's been working for me. You're more than welcome to take what you like. Leave Discard what you, what you don't, don't like. Yeah. <laughs> but yes, when it comes to navigating our sanity and finding joy and happiness and stillness, 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 stillness is my word. I think that's my word. Stillness in the midst of all of this um, can be very challenging and can look different for a lot of people. For me, it changes every day. Some days it's me going on a walk and listening to gospel music. Other days it's me painting and having a glass of wine or some tea. And surprisingly, I've become really good at painting and I'm really proud of myself. <laughs> but back to the point. Other days it's me taking a nap. I love a good nap. Other days it's me getting excited over drinking some cold sparkling water. I know, weird. But I think lately I've been really trying to be more intentional about appreciating the small things no matter how they come. And one of my holy grail things is, you know, praying to God, listening to sermons, taking church notes, sending those, um, and doing Bible study. But like just finding a well-balanced in my life of social media, friends, family, like my own personal goals and desires and things like that. So yeah, social media, mm, another thing, social media breaks life-changing because it really gets me re-centered on what is important and what I really should be prioritizing. So highly, highly, highly recommend. Uh, I agree. Like I know Ash does social media breaks. I just be scrolling sometimes. I like be like, right, I'm not gonna be on it. For me, I try to try to read, write. Uh, my friends know if I'm really feeling like a lot, I'll just go to sleep. Like I'll be sleep. Like I don't usually sleep, but that's when I'll sleep. I'll just be sleeping all the time. Like I get stressed, or I'll be like, right, I'm gonna take a nap. <laughs> just like have a he very avoidant. Kind of he vibe. sleeps at the. If we have a meeting at nine a.m. <laughs> Elson is asleep and it's like when did you go to sleep oh I went to sleep at 8 a.m. I'm like so you were just up all night yeah I just be I'm like, like my brain okay, just be going I be thinking <laughs> so yeah I be sleeping or I have a sweet tooth like I love ice cream but yeah that's the kind of things that I that I do we say yeah we, we, we like me and Ashley talk when we're feeling stressed and stuff like that like soundboard about like oh how you feel about this and you ask me how I feel about that. Like, I think talking to friends is so important. And I feel like that goes back to our earlier point you made too. Friends are so important. The community is so important because we're talking about loving our blackness. It didn't just happen by ourselves. You said your friends helped to reinforce that. Your friends are talking to you. Like, you know, certain friends, like, they don't remind you about who you are, where you come from, mm-hmm. the greatness that lies in you. You know, that's really important. It's a good foundation, I think. What I've been learning in regards to some of the friends I've been like, developing like stronger relationships with i learned how to articulate hey is it okay if i vent to you i'm not really looking for a solution not looking for a opposing opinion just someone just to just hear me and hear what i'm saying and me being able to say that to people has really helped in regards of me leaving conversations feeling like like weights have been lifted versus feeling as though i'm upset that you're trying to prove like you're not hearing me like when people don't hear me that's when I don't feel like validated. So I think she attributes that to being a cancer. Just throwing, just throwing that out there. Yes, I'm a cancer. Cancers are the best. All right, uh, Taurus <laughs> gang. You know. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I don't. 
you know, I don't really have a problem with cancers. I, I, I feel like we do, we have like a love hate relationship more more hate than love. <laughs> <laughs> what? Actually, a different type of cancer. Like she's not. Uh, they're very passionate. And, uh, yo, if you're listening, you're a cancer. Please, I. This is a a gross overgeneralization. Like, please don't take no harm to this. He's but coming for people, my, so take it take it as it is. <laughs> cancers. Well, I'm happy I'm the um, exception because oh, I don't. don't do this. Don't do I don't this. fall in that category. <laughs> I'm sure people have a lot of things to say. Well, Taurus is like we're stubborn. Um, mm. Yes, Tauruses uh, can, can, can be, be stubborn. stubborn when they want to be. But I don't know if that's the case for Elson. He falls more in the category of a perfectionist, but a perfectionist that never speaks up. Like, Guys, <laughs> okay, so I understand that about myself. And I know that like with myself, I'll be a perfectionist. When I'm working with other people, I'll just like keep my comments to myself. I'm not passive aggressive. I think maybe sometimes a little detached. I'd be like, you're like, how you like that? I'm like, it's good. My voice it's goes like, a little bit like, it's fine. It's, like, it's like okay. I have to double acts of like, Elston, how do you honestly feel? That's true. And Ash is the opposite. She'll just be like, um, not really feeling that, but you could do this. And she's very direct. And I appreciate that. So I think we have like yeah, a good, medium, you know, a good working medium. chemistry. But you know what time it is. You know what the people are waiting for. I do not. Tell me. They're waiting for the music segment. I bet. So we're going to just jump right into it. You know, if you want the music and the books, you know who to holla at. First, we got Jack Harlow. I seen he put the baby, uh, Tory Lanez, and the baby Tory Lanez and Lil Wayne on his was popping track. So that's probably going to be a hit. Like, that's probably going to be like a, a you know, like, I, I can see that being a, a ting. Like, Should we give him a little sneak peek? Yeah, you know, play that little drum for them. Back with the remix. These boys are my sons like Phoenix. My city and state never ever seen this. Jimmy Neutron, I'm a young boy genius. On a full time, I'm a... Nah, I'm not gonna hold you. That, that What's popping beat is OD Valley. Like, it's mad wavy. So, and then you got the, then you got Baby on it. Tori always... Tori always bodies remixes. Like, that's a known fact. And then Weezy, like, bro, yeah. I gotta, I gotta fully listen to it, but it seemed like it's gonna be a hit. Like a banger. And then also... We got Lil Baby, the bigger picture. When that came out, that was definitely about the movement. Lil Baby's been on fire all year. Like he, like he's been, you know what I'm saying? Like he's been with the shits. <laughs> facts. <laughs> um, gotta shout out Chloe and Halle. Chloe and Halle, right there on music, produce, sing, dance. They've been killing the game. The album was, it was nice. I, I appreciated it. Um, definitely like check them out. Also, her just released "I Can't Breathe." Amazing. What does her do that isn't amazing? That's a fact. Like, I mean, look, start. where can she go wrong? The world may never know. That's just her. Get it? <laughs> nice, nice. That was that was cute. <laughs> anyway, um, we also have Tiana Taylor who did her. You know, her album came out. I'm not gonna hold you. It's a little beastie. Like Shorty said. I gave y'all seven songs. Y'all complained. I'm giving y'all 23. Like, I'm giving y'all the whole catalog, the whole magazine. And I felt that. It's solid. It's a solid project. Like, I love Tiana. She's a dope artist. And I really, I mean, I'm probably biased because I'm from New York. But I think I really vibe her creative energy. Yeah, no, she's dope. And she can dance. So. Oh, for sure. Man. <laughs> and then we had, you know, Beyonce drop something, which, you know, was interesting. A lot of mixed reviews. Honestly, I think I was expecting something a little bit more like Black Effect or For Everything Is Love because I really like Everything Is Love. 
And don't get me wrong, Ayo, Queen B, we love you on the podcast. Let's just throw that out there. Always and forever. <laughs> but we really, I'm, I, I don't want to hear a collab between Beyonce and Solange. Like, I want to hear them come. I want to get like a seat at the table times like lemonade type, John. Like, I think yes. that would be really dope. And today is Solange's birthday. Yo, like, shout out Solange, bro. That's I think yes. that's, that's one of my favorite artists. Happy like, birthday, her Queen. Is crazy. Happy birthday, Solo. Do we got any more songs? Is that it? No, I think that. Oh wait, gotta talk about J Cole No Name. You know, I was really trying to. Uh, I was really contemplating saying something, but shit, you brought it up. Might as well. Well, let me be the first to say I love Cole. Cole is one of my favorite rappers. But when I heard this, uh, I just like, bro, you took the time to respond to the way her tone was. Aside from responding to the actual situation or problem. That's why I just feel like, but why see, do we want black women to, like, the main give themselves, like, teaspoons to, like, become palatable? Like, bro, come on. And I love Cole. Don't get me wrong. But look, his timing was off, one, from the get-go. Yeah, the, the fact that you was... felt the need to drop this song right now, problem one. Problem two, everything that you were just saying about tone. As a black woman, it becomes very frustrating where it just seems as though, like, we have to continue to bend and accommodate. And mind you, there are times where your tone can change the way people receive what you are saying. But when that does happen, you, one, can take it upon yourself to educate yourself instead of being reliant on other people to educate you and having them need to walking on eggshells to accommodate what works for you or how you like to be taught. That's where it is. Like, I feel like that piece was missing. I'm, I'm hearing you. What I'm hearing is episode two. I'm hearing that you want to bring this back, <laughs> that you want to run this topic back and doing a navigating our blackness part two. And you kind of want to talk about, yeah. you know, black men and black women and, and, and those issues. And let's also be clear that we're not even going to be binary. Like, we want to open it up. Like, a conversation, we want you to follow us on socials at Speaking Hour and let us know what you think. Like, what's one idea, concept, theme that you wish the opposite side would just understand? Like, yo, if, if we could get this, if, they, if you could just understand what this one thing where I'm coming from with it or just understand the facts, we could have a more fruitful conversation because Ash and I just want to be the, you know, vessels to be like, yo, let's have this conversation so we're not talking past each other. Exactly. We want to actually have a, a dialogue. And let it be like rewarding and like breakthrough conversations. Like we don't have enough breakthrough because there's so much ego in the way. So wait, 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 let me calm myself down because I'm getting real excited I have to hold this off for next week, you know, because but we're yeah, going to be here all day. Voice memos, send us, like, recordings, text, like, whatever you can. Like, we wanted to hear your thoughts. We want to know what y'all yes. got to say so we can and include that. depending on how many people send something in, you may appear on the podcast, your voice, you know, you bit your question, whatever it may be, just send them in. And we really want this to be an open dialogue where your voices and your beliefs and thought processes are being heard and told i bet but now we're gonna hop into black businesses (laughs) yes so that's my segment so this week we want to highlight two different businesses one is this company called black nation which is actually an app that i just came across yesterday and it focuses on highlighting all and helping you find all different black businesses around you in major politan areas just everywhere so definitely give it a shot i'm still exploring it 
but when I saw it I just got so excited to know that we are finally you know creating spaces that are ours so that we can really grow and uplift our own community so definitely check them out and they will definitely be featured on our social media accounts so stay tuned Elston I feel like you got something for us as well you know I do so listen if you ever pop out and find yourself in Best Eye make sure to hit up Brooklyn Tea it's a dope tea shop I love it. love the people. It's a black-owned couple who owns it. They're in the neighborhood, and they do great work. They open their shop up to host workshops. I usually go there, sit down, write, do my readings there. Um, usually get, like, a little vegan blueberry muffin, and I get some um, Earl Grey tea with oat milk. So, yo, if you're over there, check them out. Hopefully, you know, Brooklyn TV listening, we could definitely do some type of live hosting or show at the shop when quarantine everything ends that and would Brooklyn be opens back up. Fire. OMG. I'm so excited to stop by when I get back to New York, which, you know, TBD, hopefully soon. Um, but yes, top of the list. These are just two businesses of many that we will be continuing to feature because black success is our success. So And black owned businesses, if you want to get featured, make sure you hit us up. Let us know. We would love to feature you on here. Yes. Just what Elson said. <laughs> so with that, yo, we wanted to say from the bottom of our hearts, thank you for hanging out with us. Thank you for listening to us. And we love y'all. Yes. We love y'all. Bye, guys. See right, you y'all. soon.